Welcome to the Tango Juliet Foxtrot podcast, the podcast all about the good, the bad and the ugly of British policing. If you're interested in how policing works and you want to hear some incredible people talking about what they did in their policing careers, then this is definitely the podcast for you. Sometimes we cover some pretty gory or distressing subjects and there may be a bit of swearing from time to time. So probably best to keep the kids out of earshot. Right, here we go. Hello folks, welcome to episode 79 of the Tango Juliet Foxtrot podcast. Hope you're all well. So this was the week where the mask slipped from the Tories yet again, referring to our policing colleagues as plod in extremely disparaging terms in the WhatsApp messages disclosed from Matt Hancock. And uh, if I can point you towards an absolutely brilliant article, I thoroughly recommend that you read it. And it's written by my friend and ex-colleague Dominic Adler. And if you Google Dominic Adler Substack, he has written an article uh, called Plod, which I think is absolutely brilliant and explains and describes the long-standing sort of contempt, really. I think that's the only word, the contempt that the Tories have had uh, for policing, uh, as well as the left, actually. So uh, in his estimation and i would totally agree with them that the uh, establishment looked down their noses at policing seeing police officers as beneath them uh, whereas those on the left tend to see police officers as class traitors um so the net result of that is that uh, policing stands alone as one of those professions seemingly despised by everyone um but if you read his article Dominic Adler, Substack, Plod, flipping brilliant. So this week I interviewed Sky Morden. Now Sky works for Westman's Police, which is my old force. And Sky is the, to my to my knowledge, uh, the first one of the first open openly transgender police officers in the UK, and. Uh, she has received a great deal of media attention, uh, almost all of it extremely negative and hostile. And literally hundreds of thousands of very hateful messages on social media, um, much of which arguably is of a criminal nature directed towards her. Um, I really enjoyed chatting to Sky. And the main reason I enjoyed it was because it really challenged a lot of my own prejudices, try and say that again, prejudices and uh, my own assumptions. I, you know, put myself in the category of someone, as I say in the interview, I put myself in the category of someone who knows next to nothing about transgender issues Um, as a white uh, heterosexual male. It's something that is just completely outside my experience and understanding. And um, 
I find it absolutely fascinating. And I came away with a much better understanding of what it is to be transgender. And uh, the thing I really enjoyed most about the conversation was the fact that we were able to have a grown-up adult conversation that was nuanced, that was respectful of both sides, and managed to get away from this sort of horrible, um, polarised narrative. So on one hand, uh, when I say that, what I mean is you've got, on one hand, the narrative around transgender issues is either one that says transgender people are uh, freaks and weirdos, uh, uh, that are they are a threat to children, they are um, that sort of far-right, disgusting, hateful narrative um, on one hand, and on the other side of that sort of polarised debate, you've got those who are extremely intolerant of anyone who dares to question anything to do with transgender rights. So you look at the way that, for example, J.K. Rowling has been treated uh, in terms of some of the way, some of the things that she's come out and said about transgender people. Um, really, um, you know, totally intolerant of anyone who has got a contrary view. So I think you'll really find this interesting. And I definitely learned a great deal from it. Uh, and I actually find the whole thing weirdly quite moving when I thought about it afterwards. So well done to Sky. Uh, maximum respect for your unbelievable levels of courage in doing what you've done. And, and I wish you all the very best. So I'll shut up now and let you listen to the interview. Everyone, this week I have the great pleasure um, of chatting to Sky Morden, uh, who is an ex-colleague, uh, well, I say I'm ex-West Midlands, um, and Sky is currently West Midlands, but we have uh, that in common. So Sky, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's a great pleasure. And um, just for the benefit of people listening, um, do you want to just sort of introduce yourself um, and then I'll we'll get into the sort of general normal format of the podcast, I suppose? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, hi, um, I'm Sky. Um, I am a West Midlands police officer. I'm still serving and I am currently, um, I think now, the world's only uh, visible trans um, taser lead instructor and public order, um, public safety tactical trainer. Right. Well, there's so much there. I'm really looking forward to kind of getting into, into it. So um, the reason there's several reasons I wanted to chat to you. I've sort of contacted you via LinkedIn, didn't I? Um, you've had quite yeah. a high you've had quite a high profile um, in the last, uh, I don't know, I suppose the last couple of years, maybe. Um, and uh, there's been quite a lot of media interest in you and the fact that you're uh, West Midlands, which is my old force, so that was really interesting. I don't think our paths actually crossed when I was in West Midlands. Maybe that they did, but like, um, I, I don't recall it myself. But um, yeah, I'm just really fascinated with um, your uh, story. I think it's really 
fascinating, challenging. So I'm going to put my cards on the table here right at the start and say, I am the world's most ignorant person on transgender issues. So if you start from that position, you can't go far wrong. Um, You know, I'm a sort of a 57 year old white lit middle aged man and probably a bit old school, if we're honest, if I'm honest, you know, from a placing point of view. So there's going to be all sorts of things that you're probably going to say or things that I'm thinking, which um, if it comes across as me sounding like a complete idiot, uh, then please forgive me now. But I'll try not to say anything that's kind of, um, you know, uh, consciously or even for that matter, unconsciously uh, stupid. But if, if I do just please feel free to correct me, all right? No, so. and, and you know what? In, in, in this, there's there's absolutely no such thing as an SFQ. So <laughs> we'll absolutely ask anything. Brilliant. So It's a safe place here. Good, right. So let's let's talk about your, as I do in every podcast, and this has been, this will be no different. Let's, let's chat about um, your initial decision to join the police. Uh, when that was, was that sort of a... A family tradition was it were you kind of a bit of a, a one-off uh, from that point of view what was what was the decision that took you into police in the first place um I've always wanted to join the police uh, ever since I can remember um my parents are both academics um my mum um is a doctor of literature and my dad was a um principal lecturer at various uh, northeastern um universities and mm-hmm. um I can write well, but other than that, I don't have a single academic bone in my body whatsoever. And I always wanted to go out and do something where I could make a difference. And at the same time as do something that was unusual, um, interesting, Mm -hmm. different daily. Um, and, and so naturally, the police was always something that I was looking at. And, and, you know, as well as that, you can actually make a difference at times. Yeah. So so what age were you when you decided to join? Um, I decided, well, I'd, I'd always wanted to join, but I think I was round about um, 16 when I went and did um, work experience, I think, for three weeks with Cleveland Police. Um, right. and it really reinforced the the idea that actually you know this is exactly what I wanted to do um this is something that I really need to get involved in um I went to university uh with a view um so that I would have some form of academic qualification behind me because I hadn't done particularly well at my GCSEs um just fairly basically failure to knuckle down really um and then exactly the same thing happened at university um so I was up in the northeast was it no, I came, I, so I grew up in North Yorkshire and, uh, well, Cleveland, Teesside, North Yorkshire borders, mm-hmm. um, and then came to university um, in, in the Midlands uh, at Stafford, and I've settled into the Midlands ever since. Right, okay. And did you have any, do you have any siblings at all? No, uh, it's just me. Um, right. I, I'm an only child, so. Right, okay. So, so you left, uh, did you complete your degree or did you leave sort of um, partway through? I, 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 I basically turned university into uh, my own version of the young ones. Um, right. And um, I had a whale of a time. I drank far too much beer. And then I woke up one morning with a vast overdraft um, and thought, you know what, I need a job. And 
I need to start looking at actively kind of making sure that what I do as a career is something that I'm able to do because quite clearly I wasn't mm. cut out for the academic side of university. So um, I went and I my first job was a um, security guard um, for um, for Securicore. Um, who no longer exist, but are part of the G4S, I think now, they're the, the S in G4. Um, and I found myself one day in a university bar, then three days later after a training course, um, working 16-hour night shifts guarding a cardboard box factory, um, uh, which signs, was signs, which signs was a, a bit, bit of a... Sounds a bit like modern policing, doesn't it? Sat in a sat in an A and E department. Uh, it was probably probably quite good uh, training from modern. It, it, it was absolutely it? in hindsight. It was absolutely yeah, very good uh, for setting me up um, for many Straight, many hours. Long of periods of looking at boredom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly kind of fermented that wherever I go, I need to take a book. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you obviously didn't stick at that for that long then. No, because I was looking at moving up and, and you know, I was I, working 16 hours. Uh, it was not the minimum wage, so that didn't exist. Um, so uh, I my first pay packet, I was expecting to be a millionaire and I'd mm -hmm. worked something ridiculous amount of hours per week. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I sat down and got my pay packet, I, I'd worked something ridiculous amount of hours for uh, 290 quid. And I was thinking, what? How am I supposed to survive on this? Mm -hmm. um, so I then became a store guard, which was slightly better paid, um, still for mm -hmm. Securicore. Um, I um, was very proactive because I was a boots guard and very proactive uh, in boots. I um, was voted or nominated as the best security guard in the country at one point oh, okay. um, just basically because I was bored so uh, <laughs> if I wasn't helping uh, if I wasn't helping old ladies find out where they needed to go for various products yeah. um, somehow I managed to do that and then pounce on a shoplifter and my arrest record uh, was, 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 was <laughs> something else um, uh, I think I was probably the only one who was a little bit interested uh, so in the role across the any, country. Any teenage boys looking to steal a pack of Durex as were in uh, the wrong in, in, the, in the wrong place, weren't they? In the wrong place, absolutely. Um, so I um, looked at moving on. I was a store detective very, very briefly um, uh, while I was waiting to get into uh, the private prison service. I was prevaricating at that point in my life, to be honest. I was thinking, right, I want just to get some more experience with the police, for, so get some more experience behind me, mm -hmm. um, which in hindsight, I think has done me really world of good. Um, mm -hmm. But I suppose I couldn't, I didn't need to do that waiting, if, if that makes sense to do so. But mm -hmm. I then joined Premier Prison Services um, and was a court escort custody officer, driving um, prisoners uh, around the country. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and then eventually ending up at Warsaw Magistrates Court when my process for joining the police was was going through. Right. Okay. So there's definitely a sort of a a thread there, isn't there? A, con a consistent thread of uh, security related occupations, isn't there? So what, there what, is. Yeah. What, what year did you actually join the police then? So um, I, I joined the police in January two thousand and one. Um, right. So I've now got twenty two years in the job. 22 years gosh so you uh would you're 
anyone with 20, as you know, when back in the day, anyone who joined, uh, you would look at someone with 22 years and think, oh my God, they're like a proper old sweat, aren't they? But uh... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And and you know what, I, I, I look at that um, and it's, it's really quite obvious these days, actually, how much of the grumpy, um, decrepit old sweat I actually have turned into. Um, <laughs> um, I think you're in very take... good, very good company, Sky. Yeah, I, I took a, I took an, um, I, I, I will talk about my current role later, no doubt. Um, but I took an injury report for a colleague um, uh, the other day, and it occurred to me that I've, I've got six months longer in the police than they have on this planet, and that really made me think. <laughs> oh, no, no. So I'm guessing that you weren't called Sky in those days. So was that correct? That's correct. Yeah, I wasn't called Sky in those days. No. Right. Okay. And. Um, so yeah, that was the West Midlands. You joined the West Midlands um, yeah. and have stayed in the West Midlands all of that time. So um, what were the f- your career sort of, w- what direction that? Were you a uniform officer sort of through and through or did you sort of dip in and out of investigations or what? So I've, I've been always uniformed, um, predominantly uh, frontline response. So I worked uh, predominantly in the black country areas of uh, of the West Midlands, so Warsaw, um, Sandwell, Dudley, um, Wolverhampton, um, sort of that those areas uh, were, were my kind of sort of stomping ground. Um, really interesting places to, to be a response cop um, because there's such a huge um, mix of um, populations and mm-hmm. very, very... Um, very, very sort of settled areas of um, huge cultural diversity, um, and as well as kind of great wealth and poverty, all kind of mixed together in very close proximity. So, very interesting place to work. Right, okay. So um, let's let's talk about because uh, obviously the, the journey that you've been on, you know, in the last sort of the high-profile stuff that you've been involved in over the last couple of years have been very much focused on you as a trans uh, officer. Um, At what point did you make a decision that that was what you were going to do? Because that's a massive decision, isn't it? It is. So I've always known that I'm trans, always, ever since I can remember. There wasn't the internet when I was growing up. Um, so I had no idea for what I was or who I was, um, but probably around about 11, 12 years old when, when obviously I started to, to change um, and I suddenly realized, well, I started to really be uncomfortable in my skin and this isn't me. Um, there's always had this disconnect in what's in my head to what's on the outside and the rest of me. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't been easy. Mm. Um, over the years, there have been many private thoughts of self-harm. Mm. Um, I've many times I thought about ending my life just purely mm. by the fact that I needed to be happy and I 
couldn't be happy just mm. every time you walk past a mirror every time you walk past a shop front every time you see a glimpse of yourself see a photograph it's like nails on a chalkboard it's just mm. Mm. it's just horror and despair mm. inside your head mm. so I always knew I was trans but I didn't know the word I didn't yeah. know what that was and yeah. I grew up under what's called section 28 where it was illegal um to talk about LGBT issues to kind of promote that, to discuss it even uh, in any kind of educational setting. Um, and I felt very lonely and isolated. Hmm. Um, and do you, I, mind me, do you mind me asking, um, did you have relationships at that sta those stages of your life? I mean, because obviously, again, yeah. I should get a little bell, shouldn't I? And just before I ask a really stupid question, I should ring the bell, shouldn't I? So if I <laughs> imagine I've got a little bell, I'm just about to ring it. Um, so there's obviously two things here, isn't there? There's kind of, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's kind of just gender and sexuality. I think there's sort of whatever your sexual preferences are, and then there's your gender, what you identify as gender, I suppose. Yeah, and, and that and, and everything there is a is a uh, shades of grey, I suppose, the best way of putting it. Um, did you identify sexually? Uh, were you sexually attracted to uh, men or to women or to both? I'm just curious how that works because I, again, I, uh, this bell is going to yeah. be ringing a lot, by the way. No, 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 absolutely. So um, I'm, I'm quite happy to talk about anything. Uh, I'm very open with who I am because mm. it's a really important sort of, uh, it's a really important sort of message. I think just, just so that people can see trans people, we're just simply human. Mm. Um, contrary to what what we see in the press every single day. Yeah. Um, so. I'm I'm bi. Um, I've always right. liked uh, like like both. Um, right. I've I would have had a preference um, before taking taking hormones um, for women, but doesn't right. mean I wasn't attracted to men. Mm. Um, but now that I've started taking hormones, um, something's changing certainly inside my head because I'm certainly becoming more attracted to men now. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I apologise <laughs> if that's a very um, you know brutal question but I just think it's important really because I, I I want to treat this as a little bit of a opportunity to educate myself and as yeah. well as as well as other people out there because I, I know there's lots of there's lots of I suppose blokes of my age um on, on maybe you know younger I'm sure who are, who are super ignorant about all this stuff and um so yeah anyway so so you I'd always felt that there was a conflict there about your yeah. gen about your gender. And my gender, yeah, absolutely. Right. It's okay. it was always there. Right. Always. Um and there were very sort of very sort of points in my life where I had kind of maladjusted maladaptive probably the best word, um, sort of coping strategies. You know, I I, I at times drank too much. Um, mm. you know, when it came to rest days, my first rest day would be probably just spent drunk um and you know i was in an organization that that was just about starting to accept people who were gay when i joined you know the west yeah. police we had, I had a gay colleague and you know they were absolutely terrified about coming out but they had to come out quite early on because they were they, they had a civil partnership at that point or they mm -hmm. had some kind of blessing and, and you know they lived with their partner and mm -hmm. they were terrified about coming out within the organization and mm -hmm. you know it, it kind of reinforced the fact that 
I just wouldn't accept myself. I couldn't accept myself. And I would just get through life by hiding everything away, by ignoring it, pretending mm. that I wasn't, mm. ha- didn't have this this conflict within within me with this, mm. this fact that I knew I was a girl. And I knew that from 11 years old. It, it mm. was so, you know, so clear, the thought process. Had you, do you mind me um, asking, had you discussed that with your parents, with your family? No, 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 no. Um, not until I started to come more confident with myself to the point right. where I had to come out um so it was yeah it, I, I when I told my mum my mum just went I know simple as that she she really? mum's always know don't they hmm. um and my dad that's been a more difficult problem but he's hmm. accepting and and that's 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 getting an understanding there is is, is the problem but that's mm. for him to want to have to do which is he's not really wanted to do for a while but he isn't now understanding but mm. yeah mm. um so I, I hid myself away I, I just bottled it up and and just took all, all of the 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 all of the the, the anxiety the, the the self-hate the self-loathing the, mm. the the pressures and the depression and the stress that that came with that I just piddled it hid it away bottled it up mm. and 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 just yeah. carried on being being me being the best yeah I, I always find I always find it really sad was, I mean bear in mind I joined in 1989 and there was a guy who uh was not openly gay but he wasn't he didn't deny it put it that way so he wasn't I suppose he was can you be half out you know it was kind of like an open everyone knew but nobody ever really talked about it with them and um and then as as my career went on attitude I suppose changed didn't they and but then there was still a period of time, even when I joined the West Midlands in the early 2000s, there was still officers who were quite happy to tell you privately that they were gay, but weren't openly gay, which, and again, I just thought that was so sad that they, that they had, that couldn't, they couldn't be fully themselves, you know? And I remember yeah, what, absolutely. I remember one time um, being out shopping and bumping into one of my colleagues and he was with his partner his, his I don't know whether it was his husband or his 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 male partner anyway and um and I remember him just looking like a rabbit caught in the headlights because we'd kind of and then he, he didn't introduce me to his partner who kind of melted away into the background and I just thought oh god that's so sad. Why, you know, I don't actually care, you know? Yeah. Um, so so you were obviously having those, experiencing all of that during that period of time when in police, particularly in policing, it just really was very difficult for people, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, that the, the the culture and the attitudes were 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 vastly different. Um and you know, that is certainly around, you know, the early two thousands, even then, um, you know, if there was a comment about a trans person, um, it was generally bad taste humour, it was not said, it was, you know, it was said in a malicious tone. Hmm. And that was brought out through the rest of society. You know, you looked at, you know, the, in the media was always, well, still is now, but, it, you know, hmm. certainly back then it was just comment about sort of, you know, look look at this, here's a funny trans person. Hmm. Um, hmm. So, you know, I, I just hid myself away and hmm. just tried to to get on with, with, with life and, hmm life unfortunately kind of caught up with me um right. i got to the point where if i hadn't didn't come out 
um, if I couldn't be me. And mm. if I didn't start on that journey, it was going to be me uh, and a train or me being me a sky, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, nobody, I've, I've told that, you know, I people don't know, uh, you know, over the years, they don't know how how I just sat there and had these sort of these dark thoughts and mm-hmm. you know it just it was just personal to me and and, and I think that's quite common mm-hmm. when it comes to trans people you know yeah. that, that, that quite often those thoughts are are there and, yeah. and they're never going to be verbalized and, and, and said. So was there was there a, what was the sort of what was the tipping point then I suppose between you feeling that you just couldn't talk about this and, and admit it to other people or be yourself I suppose not I was once told off um, about using the word admitting because you admit a crime, don't you? Like, yeah, well, yeah, it's like had, you're not admitting, had, you're, being, yeah. you're being honest with yourself. I suppose that's being, a I, and it was accepting. Use, yeah, yeah, accepting is, is, was, was what I had to do. I had to accept myself. And I knew, I always knew. Um, and it got to the point where I just thought, you know, I have to be me. Um, that, that I, I was fed up with um, basically acting a role, um, you know, of being somebody who I actually wasn't mm. every single day of my life, if that makes sense. I was always mm. having to pretend to be this person called James, and it was just breaking mm. me. Mm. Um, and I'd, I'd, because of my struggles with mental health um, that, that were very personal and private to me, um, I helped set up um, the... Uh, West Midland Street Triage Project Mm. um, in 2014 and I think that was sort of the journey where I was beginning to accept that I had to do something about me if that makes sense. So Um, so just just for clarity street triage that was around working with mental health services to triage people who were experiencing serious mental health issues? That's correct yeah because like it or not, the police are the primary service when it comes to frontline dealing with and certainly arriving at scene with persons in crisis. Um, and when the role came up, um, it was a natural step for me. Um, I'd already taken on kind of a role of a bit of a team mental health practitioner. Um, I was linked in and working with, or um, making myself available to um, then mental health cop Michael Brown, um, who was the um, staff officer to the mental health lead yeah, for the I know MCC. Michael very well, yeah. and a lovely guy, and um, he, um, you know, he he had been advising me in relation to things like the mental health act, so that we could sort of do a better job on shift. Mm. Um, and then the street triage project for the West Mids was um, a collaboration, a tri-service collaboration between the mental health services um, and uh, West Midlands Ambulance Service, as well as us. Mm. And I think it was that journey where um, I started to have working with uh, mental health practitioners, you know, working closely with mm. um sort of doctors and and, uh, medical professionals it was sort of like well actually I there's nothing wrong with me if that Mm. makes sense there's nothing wrong with me at all I'm just a mix of some kind of chemical things that went wrong you know whilst I was being formed in in, you know um, uh, as you know as a baby uh, and and before I was born so I'm not but even can I just can I just pause you there because even even saying the word went wrong I 
I feel uncomfortable with that because I personally tend to believe that we are what we are. And, yeah. and I think that everyone should probably be um, sufficiently mature, emotionally mature to accept that um, just because someone's different doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with them. Um, uh, that and, makes and, sense, yeah. You know and I, I mean? hear that. Thank you. Yeah. I don't mean to nitpick on language, but I, I, I just think I, I don't like to think of people thinking there's something wrong with them when actually they're just different, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And everybody's different. And that's what makes us all as, 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 as humans interesting, I think. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so that's I, 2014, roughly. Then, 2014. Yeah. So I, I started to sort of come to terms with it. Um, I had been asked to by our, um, I'd been asked by our then um, supervisor, um, Superintendent Sean Russell had set up um, the street triage project in the West Mids and mm. he wanted us to do projects. And in around about 2017, um, I was starting to really struggle with my mental health and it was to that point where I needed I, I needed to be me mm -hmm. um, and when when I when I joined um, strict triage um, Sean wanted us to do a project and I had seen the media um, uh, and the way that they um, twist everything pretty much when it comes to the police mm. um because it's a good news story isn't it is it not so or not a good news story it's good for them because it generates clicks likes ad yeah, revenue yeah. what have you yeah, and yeah. um i looked at the that there was there was some uh, report about taser use on vulnerable people um mm. and taser saved my life um in in the police it, it saved my life on two occasions mm. um and I'm aware of, and I certainly was aware then, that when it came to our use of the taser uh, conducted energy weapon, that actually, um, that the language itself that the media was using was totally and wholly wrong. And they were talking about children and vulnerable persons being tasered. And well, actually, the language in relation to that, when we fire taser, we actually only fire it once every 10 uses of taser. So actually nine times out of 10, 90% of all taser use or there or thereabouts is, is just tactical communication. It's just presenting a weapon and it's the psychological mm. use of that will, will, that will de-escalate de conflict. Mm. And so I decided to do um, a, a film or, or do a project um, in relation to that. Mm -hmm. um, I put business report case in uh, that was accepted and, and I started working with the West Mids TV unit and I started to get ideas above my station that actually we didn't need, we needed more than me saying a taser is this mm. and this is what it does and this is what the uses of taser we record are. And I started to get to a point where people were saying we can't do this, we haven't got the time for what you want to do. So I went, mm. I'm going to do it myself. Right. So uh, me and my friend watched a whole load of documentaries about how to make a documentary. <laughs> um, and before I knew it, I'd come up with a plan. I'd made a trailer. I got summoned to CLC, summoned up to Scotland Yard um, because somehow Neil Basu 
um, who was then the Leslie Thought lead for the National Police Chief Council, mm. had heard about my project. I think I'd actually asked his staff officer, um, somebody had passed his email, I didn't know who he was, mm. but I'd, I was looking for funding um, for Kit. Uh, and somehow I ended up speaking to Neil Pursuit um, and I showed them my tra trailer and went. they went, so what, this is really good, what film experience have you got? I went, absolutely nothing whatsoever. <laughs> and they mm. went, okay, right. Um, anyway, so I, I went off and I somehow I managed to get a whole load of people, Amnesty International, the, some scientists from the, the Defence Science Technology Labs, um, various medical professionals and I, I managed to get them all on camera um, and I produced a film. And sorry, taser, taser. so just to so just to be clear, this is about the safe and ethical and appropriate use yeah. of taser for so what is taser? Yeah. So right. what is taser? How does it work and why does police in the UK um use it and need it? Right. Um and somehow this 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 idiot somehow managed to make a film that a went viral um 10 minute documentary on taser i'd still argue to this day it's probably still the best film on taser that mm -hmm. that that is explaining police use of force um national decision model and what a taser is and how it works mm -hmm. um had numerous and crazy experiences with making that whole project and um Anyway, it's it's now a National Police Chief's product. But because I'd been doing that work and I was quite clearly having a bit of a bit of a wobble at work is probably the best way to say it. I, mm -hmm. I was noticeably stressed. Right. Um, and Sean Russell had said to me, you need to get off triage now because it's breaking you. Um, he'd clearly seen something that was going on. Mm. Um, and he pointed me towards uh, a tactical training role uh, up at our Midlands Regional Tactical Training. And I thought, you know what, actually, that's something that I might need to look at. And it's a fresh start for me. Mm. Um, so that's where how I then became a, a tactical trainer. And now I'm a TASER lead instructor for the four Midlands Regional Forces. Right, okay. And uh, I don't. I don't want to sound. I don't want to define you um, in this. Put you in this trans. Keep on dragging you back into this sort of define you as trans uh, officer. And because clearly there's a whole load of other things that you have done and are doing that are nothing to do with uh, trans. But at the point when you when you decided to eventually be yourself. Was that in that in that new role? Was it? In that yes, and that's right. how I led on to that. And right. I, okay. I, so I, 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 I was, um, I, I, my my best friend. She uh, is a um, counselor and psychotherapist, mm -hmm. um, and she wasn't obviously counselling me. But what she was doing was saying, "Here's some books on gender. Here's some books on, mm -hmm. um, on the science of it." And yeah what the British Association of Counselors and Psychotherapists will say about it. And so I started to talk it through with her and um, I went as me to um, an LGBT conference, BICON, um, for people who identify their sexuality as bi. And I went because it was the first time that actually it would, would be a, I wouldn't know anybody and I would be, um, be accepted as trans if that makes yeah. sense because yeah, no there would no be judgment. lots of other trans people going mm -hmm. so I wouldn't stand out so I, I went um I had an amazing few days at this conference um the world didn't end which mm -hmm. you know you build and catastrophize all the time when you're when when you're hiding yourself in such a way mm -hmm. and I came back and 
I am in a national police um, support group for LGBT officers. And I told my friend the other in, in, in where, where I live and he says, right, I'm going to come and meet you and we'll get to the pub. So I'd come back to him from this conference, went out um, with my friend. Again, the world didn't end. And, and I and, and I felt me for the first time in my life. I felt mm. great. So I was full of gin and I got back home and I took a selfie uh, with my friend and I sent it to this LGBT support network group, except I didn't. Except I sent it to all of the ex-military, all of the ex-OSU riot cops up at tactical training. Oh, shit. Who had by, no by, idea. What, by mistake? By, completely by mistake. I sent oh, it to God. the wrong So you said a selfie. Group. What was the selfie of? I mean, was it, it was just me, me and my friend with a glass of a glass of uh, beer after we'd been to the pub, and I was supposed to just say, "I've been out as me for the first time to, to, right. to my, my so, colleagues so, in the, the, the trans and LGBT support group." So you were in a, w- a women's clothes, then? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I was. I looked like me. With right. Okay. The, yeah. The hormones, okay. Yeah. Right. 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 Okay. Oh, so I managed hell. to. So you really yeah, went. You really hell. went so for it. Yeah. 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 I, I really did, and of course, oh, it, I just sat there. I just. I, I, can I swear on this? Or not? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, Chris. <laughs> I just went fuck. <laughs> what, oh, what, 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 what can I do here? Yeah. Oh. So I looked at my phone, and through the haze of gin. Uh, WhatsApp has got on it. It's got deleting the link for everyone else. So you know, no, no, it's 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 done me a favour. It's brilliant in 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 a way. And I sat there and I looked at the delete for me and delete for everyone. And my drunken gin fingered sausage fingers went straight for delete from everyone. And I ended up hitting delete for me. Oh, and at which point I'm God. like, oh, double fuck. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. So I just sat there and I looked at my phone in this dread. My friend starts pissing himself, and I'm like, "You don't realise who I've just sent this to. They're all, they're they're all." <laughs> so, just... so your friend is also trans woman. <laughs> no, no, no. They're just my friend from just from friends. University. Okay, just right, friend, right. Yeah. Okay, right, right. Um, so oh, I got, shit. and then my phone just blew up. <laughs> and you know what? Did people think you were taking the piss? No. You, well, you did it. I have no idea what they thought. Um, that they. I, I think I think some I don't I have no idea because they all came with an idea of is this you and mm-hmm. I went yeah that's me um, and I can honestly say you know what in a weird sort brilliant. of way that's not a bad way for it to have happened in a kind of a weird sort of a it, way in a, yeah in a roundabout oh my god I've really fucked up kind of way it's brilliant and it's I think everyone there was no kind of beating around the bush or anything I suppose it was just like to know I'm here look at me <laughs> oh god so so once you'd realized what you'd done then uh, you'd kind of made your decision hadn't you I suppose yeah um, I'd made a decision prior to that it was just a case of I'd spoken to my supervision and and uh, sorry, yeah. I, I, so my supervision were aware at that point. Uh-huh. What, was, um, what, what was their kind of reaction? Very supportive. Um, they they were they were pretty much very much like you were saying. Mm. Well, we do not understand. We do not have a clue. But you know what? That's just just be you. Um, yeah. um, so what we ended up having to do though was create like a kind of like a a plan in place for me to. Because we train 8,000 cops from Staffordshire, Warwickshire, West Midlands, West Mercia every year in yeah. 
in, in, in the tactical sub trained subjects. And, you know, it'll be different for me going into the office to say, hi, this is me, to me standing up in front of a, a class of 12 TASER students, yeah. for example, let alone standing up in front of the PSU of 25 coppers from an inspector. I, mean, I shouldn't, to laugh. I shouldn't and... laugh, but I just no, know. The, right. re the reason I'm laughing is just because I just know, I just know what they're like. And most exactly. co most cops are, um, they're, they're funny, aren't they? They're, they they have a very very, you know, crazy sense of humour. Some sometimes, which as you know, can just go way too far. Um, a massive piss taking environment, isn't it? Yes. So the idea of you standing up in front of a serial of OSU officers, which is in the Met, if there's anything from the Met listing, that's TSG in the Met is just like oh i actually feel sick thinking about it so i mean what what was that like the first time you had to do well, that well I'll, I'll tell you because my my experience is basically it's 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 just everything that i seem to do seems to be foot in mouth and <laughs> um so i made a plan that on a training day um i was going to come as me to work and it would just be the staff in the office and as i come in and everyone's been lovely and supportive um and, and I'm starting to get confidence with me being me at work. In comes pretty much the entire West Mid's firearms department, so they can do some training. In comes the <laughs> OSU. Um, I think there was two PSUs of OSU came up to um, basically use site. And it was just like, <laughs> hi. <laughs> yes. Was there a kind um, of, there a kind of a, jaws dropping left, right and centre, was it? Yeah, massively so. There was just like, there was just, you could almost see the what the fuck um, yeah, going yeah. on everywhere. And <laughs> like is this anyway a wind, is this a wind up is, is this know? a ride up exactly and it was like no this is me hi <laughs> um and you know what i can honestly say that that because of which the osu had my back right from the outset so um i've done so many vans um staffing them up um and they have been really such good. So were you doing supporters. operational policing as well as this? Not initially. Um, oh. I didn't have the courage for that. It was frightening enough. It was fright frighteningly frightening, certainly early transition for any trans person. The mm. first time just to step out of your front door as you is, mm. is, is literally the most mm. courageous thing that you have to do. Mm. Um, the most courageous thing that you have to do and just the simple fact of, of of talking to people you know my lot of my dysphoria so lots of things that I hate is my voice that mm. I can't really do anything about while well, mm. I'm working on it but it's going to be a long long journey but you know so it's going to the point of where all of a sudden it's terrifying to walk out your front door terrifying to go to the shop mm. just to buy a pint of milk and yet there I am now standing in front of two PSUs of the of West Mid's operational support unit and, and the firearms are looking bemused in the background. And I'm, there's me with my face in my hand going, like, you know, um, and did they, so I and came did out those, with a bang. And did those, did those uh, I'm guessing, mainly, well, there will be women there as well, won't there? But they're probably yeah. going to be yeah. predominantly blokes. <laughs> did they know you before this? I mean, did yeah. they know yeah, you yeah, as yeah. James they, before? Right. Absolutely, they did. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of them 
on response. I'd, I'd, I'd you know, I'd, I'd gone on, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the crazy adventures that that you only know that only you and your mm. officer that you were working with that day, uh, yeah. you know, how can, you can't tell people about half the stuff that that that, that happens that people get up to, mm. things that you end up having to be involved with, and lots of them I'd been on crazy journeys with and adventures with or yeah. face big disorders with you yeah. know police the rights in 2011 stood alongside them and mm. yeah you know his, his, all of a sudden it's like you know, i'm not james no more i'm sky and <laughs> it's I, mean, I think just, it's, I think it's, it's brilliant br- but i think it's brilliant i think um, it is. i can uh, i can just well imagine what that must have been like <laughs> and you know well done well done you for uh you know my goodness that takes some courage to do that i can't even imagine it but um it, it, it's 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 i've had to really learn how to how to be you know there's there's nothing that phases me anymore if that makes sense there's yeah, there's nothing because of, of what i faced um and I, you know, it, it's it's the first time that I stood in front and, and taught a taught a, a, a you know a class. I taught. Uh, I, I purposely chose a, a Warwickshire because I wouldn't really know them, so it would mm. be like you know home sky, and, and I was teaching a Taser initial course, and um, you know, I just thought I can do this because they just didn't care. Mm. You know, they were all young officers or wanting to to learn, um, and there just didn't seem to be a single issue with the fact have you, that have I was... you ever had anyone um you know one of your um students or anyone else in the job for that matter you know blatantly say something massively upsetting I've been laughed at by colleagues yeah um not from the West Midlands um right. I, I've been laughed at I'm not going to say the force but I've been like you know I've been on on football deployments and there's been mutual aid um and there have been officers who have just seen me and just started like elbowing each other and pissing themselves laughing, um, you know, and that, but that's going to be people who don't know you, I suppose. Is it? Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? You know, absolutely. If you know, you con- I, if you contrast that with the way you were treated by those who did know you already, you know, it's sort of like night and day, isn't it? Massively so, hugely night and day, you know, and I know that I've, I've I've had to I've pushed myself since I've come out as trans because I've had to show my colleagues that and I think I didn't need to and I don't need to because because I've already got a good solid background of working successfully in the police if that makes sense you know mm-hmm. I, I'm a good cop and I'm known as a good cop. How do you how do you I, deal I, with that Sky? If somebody if you saw some if you went if you were in that situation now and somebody started just taking the piss and laughing how would you deal with that now I'm quite a little bit a lot more bullshit and I would just I'm quite used to now challenging and and just saying oh you know what what's the problem and generally that's enough for people just to sort of like shit and and I, mm. I, I wasn't expecting some them to come up to me yeah my experience of policing in the West Midlands and it's not and I can't can't just say that it's not just the West Mids because it's Staffordshire Warwickshire West Mercia mm. All of the colleagues that come through our doors at tactical training have been brilliant. They've been really, really good. Uh, and I also know that because all of the regional officers, have, because I, I push myself out, I know that I get shit. I know that I get abuse and hate. Um, but I go out and police, you know, and and I go and police big disorder. I, you know, I, I stood with the OSU uh, when 
we did a closed cordon and, and uh, up at St Andrews at Birmingham City and we held back 1500 fans that ultimately wanted to kill us and, and yeah. kill me and, and we we held the line and you know that actually jobs like that ultimately it doesn't become about who you are yeah, presenting yeah, yeah. as if that makes sense yeah, it yeah, matters yeah. about what you've done and, and the fact that you know you stood with yeah. us if that makes sense so in those in those scenarios that you describe um you're kind of there fairly mob-handed i suppose with with numerous other colleagues um to your left and to your right have you done operational policing where you're just going out in like a response car with yeah. maybe one other colleague yeah. So, so, um, what, so what's the response? What's the reaction of members of the public when you're in that sort of role? It's 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 night and day. So I'll either get people coming up to me going, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, you know, that you're able to be you. But that's more drowned out by the the hate and the nonsense. Mm. Um, I had I had an entire stand at the ground not that long ago last year. I had an entire stand singing is it a man or a woman at me yeah. and you know when you've got thousands of people singing that it's difficult if that makes sense oh god even if there's 10 of you on that segregation line or a couple of serials even then hmm. you just i'm just going to stand here and take it for the next 90 minutes because that's all i can do if that makes sense okay. um when i go out i just get comment um Going out quite often, I do quite often nighttime economies. When I do Birmingham City, you just mm. get, look at that tranny, look at that as a fucker, look at that fucking tranny. You know, you just, you just get all sorts of stuff. Um, if I can scarf them, we'll, we'll do something about it. But quite often mm. you'll turn around and just, you know, it's this certainly nighttime economy when or when you're out at city centres, there's so many people around you and it's comments just, just constant and constant. Yeah, oh, well, I can imagine. I can well imagine. And um, I mean, the thing is, there's no shortage of arseholes out there, are there? Um, no. And the police deal with them day in and day out, you know. Unfortunately, we've got quite a few of them in the Tory party at the moment. And our, our, our previous health secretary has shown us true colours today, hasn't he? So there's arseholes in every um, town and city and, uh, you know, members of our political classes uh, included. Um, and and the, the media have been particularly unkind to to you, haven't they? Yeah. Um, so when I came out, you know, I'm 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 a good cop, and I know I'm a good cop. And you know, I, I'm 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 proud to 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 to, to be a cop, if that makes mm. sense. And and mm. you know, I know I've had so much hate and abuse, and and I've had shit. I've been stabbed in the job. You know, I've had I've I've had. I've been spat at, I've been stabbed, I've been punched, I've been bitten. Um, but you know what? I'm still proud to be a cop and do what I can. Um, and I thought, you know what? We haven't had a good reputation. Uh, we haven't had a good reputation within the LGBT community. So, mm. you know, what I'll do is I'll write something for the for the for police um for our internal network and i wrote a blog post i think it was for trans day visibility or something like that and i wrote a i wrote a, a blog post about me coming out and actually to thank the cops from the west mids for being so understanding and really mm. good coming to our doors mm -hmm. and obviously our um corporate comms actually quite liked it and we were quite early in the days then of of the we hadn't no, nobody had any kind of ideas about actually how bad it was going to get 
So they went, well, this is beautifully written. And do, do you mind if we put it out on Twitter or they put it out mm. on social media? Mm. And it was picked up by the our kind of like our, our local paper, the Express and Star. Mm. And it got some good comments and mm. it went reasonably it didn't go viral it just you know but what comments mm. there were mm. but, oh good good for this person good for them being themselves and trying to make a bit of you know make a bit of a difference within within an organization that that you know historically hasn't had a mm. good kind of representation of anybody trans really mm. um so well well done then so anyway a couple of days later a couple of days later um our press office was was caught and picked up uh, was requested by um a big international um media company mm. and they said we'd like to do an interview with sky and we'd like to um know more about her especially her role as as a, as a taser lead instructor and a, and a public order trainer mm. and i thought well my previous experience was all right mm. yeah. what can go wrong oh, of course um, so I said yes, but then they said, "Well, we're we're really quite pro trans people. Um, we've done loads of interviews with, with with trans people. Here, here, here are what they are, and they mm. were all here's Deborah. Deborah was once Mike. Here's Jason. Jason mm. was once Samantha, mm. and it was just like, well, there's a pattern here, and I don't want that because that's bollocks. Mm. Um, so what mm. I'll do is that actually, if you're going to interview me, we will craft the story, me and the press team. And, 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 if, and if you don't like it, you ask certain questions beforehand and then we will frame our responses, if that yeah, makes yeah. sense. So we, yeah, yeah. we did the interview that way. And actually, we, we created quite a decent piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought nothing of it. I thought no one's going to know about it because it was you know it's an organization that puts stuff as they call it historically would have gone out to the telegraph wire so they put out the the the, the story and people pick it up or don't pick it up um, yep. in the news media mm-hmm. and i thought nah, it's never go won't go far wrong. so wrong <laughs> so there i was i just finished teaching a public order course um and it, it, it was i think it was december time and it was flipping freezing cold and my housemate rings me up, my best mate, Beth, who's the, the counsellor. And she says, there's reporters at the house and they're not going away. And she was absolutely in bits. I think they're reporters, she says, what, but at, at they don't, we don't know. Yeah, at my house. There's reporters at my house, our house. Um, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm not opening the door. At mm. which point my neighbour rings up and my neighbour's a very large truck driver. Mm. And he says... Sky, there's people at your address. They're not showing any kind of ID. They're saying they're reporters. They're not going. I'll make sure they go. Mm. By the way, I've got a chlorammer. God. Oh, God. Don't do that. Then my other neighbour rings up, who's Staffordshire Police, Mm. says, there's people trying to track you down. They're knocking on every door in the street. Oh, Steve's now chasing them down the street with the chlorammer. God. At which point I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I, I rang the force incident manager and said, Gaffer, I think I'm in the middle of a cross-border uh, incident and mm-hmm. I think um, I could do with some advice and we need some assistance from my colleagues in another in the other force area in, in, in where I live. Right. Ah, Gaffer. So, so what was the, um, the <laughs> was it was it one particular um, newspaper that had put it out then or? 
Um, so this picked the story that day. Little do I know, because I didn't know what had gone on. All I knew mm. was that all of a sudden there's reporters at the house and they right. were from the Daily Mail. Or they were from an organisation on behalf of the Daily Mail. Oh, you surprised me, the Daily Mail. Um, no, not at all. Basically, every single newspaper, tabloid and broadsheet, ran with my story. Every mm. single newspaper. So the Daily Mail, the Mirror, the Sun, the Express, the, the oh, I don't know, all of them. Every single red top and lots of the broadsheets said, here's this officer who self-identifies as a woman because I hadn't started hormones I hadn't formally started gender reassignment mm-hmm. um and it they hadn't because we'd crafted the story it was mm. actually they none of them really could twist it if mm. that makes sense mm-hmm. um there's somebody had they, that earlier that the day before um we'd had a I think it had a, a photo shoot with somebody um on behalf of the news agency that put it out and They've got me standing in various positions, arms mm. crossed and what have you. And then they've got me yeah. standing with the picture of the taser. And one of the pictures, and I didn't realise this, but one of the, you know, what do you do when there's a camera and they go, smile, what are you going to do? Mm. What are you going to do? Yeah. You smile. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they're around with the taser and they said, smile. I went, I smiled. And anyway, this picture clearly was the one that they thought was brilliant because here's a smiling cop with the taser. There's your, there's your, there's your seller. Mm. Um, and that was the one that went out across the whole of the media. Um, you know what? I don't regret any of those pictures, you know, because that was me and that is me. Mm. Um, and it went out, it went out and it went out and it went out and it went out. And before I knew it, I had uh, counterterrorism on the phone um, just saying, we're monitoring a lot of information and talk about you. Oh, great. Um I've now got this counter-terrorism what, what, involved. The far, the far right, you mean, presumably. So, uh, yeah, so what, well, it was just the fact that there was so much media ge- noise generated about me. My name was literally, so I think there was, within 24 hours of those stories going out, there was something like 250,000 hate comments or awful comments aimed at me. Um, 250,000. Within 36 hours, there was 17,000 posts about me. I discovered when CT did an online safety assessment um, by Nazi groups in the far right. 17,000 posts. Um, so this had all happened. Staff police had turned up, managed to square my neighbour away with before we before any before anything we needed getting him locked up for any any additional issues. Um, and um, you know, I then had a phone call from Sir Dave Thompson, our then chief constable, mm. and he was like I'm going to speak to you, Sky, because I need to make sure I see where you are, because this is unprecedented, really, with the amount of Mm. commentary about you. I think within a week, there was Cheyenne approaching a million hateful comments about me, calling me a rapist, a predator, a paedophile, danger to women, Mm. um, a fetishist, a freak. It just went on and on and on and on and on. Um, And you know what? It was difficult. Mm. It was ex- it was it was very very difficult. Um, did you I, when when this was all going on? So how long we how long ago are we talking about here? Once it was so this one? would have been probably oh, I can't think if it was December nineteen or December twenty. I think it might have been twenty. Right. Um, and so you'd only hadn't been. That I'd been long, living. So. I'd been out as myself for. 
coming up to a just under a year at that point as me at work um i was still on a i, I was waiting for i was going through at that point i was going through um checks for well, not checks i was going through a very um a process for private health care mm. for gender reassignment mm. um because the nhs wait for trans people is 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 many many years mm. so uh, i was pre-hormones um and i just didn't really know what what to do i wasn't expecting this this mm-hmm. this 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 absolute avalanche of of madness that that mm-hmm. came aiming at me um did you stay did you stay at work um in the aftermath of all of that or did you take some time off no i i carried on working throughout mm-hmm. um you know it was just i don't know it was a, a very strange time it honestly felt like that it wasn't real if that makes sense it was how was the how um, was the organization how was the westmids police towards you did, did you get much support from them the police were brilliant. Um, we they started realizing and, and and looking at. Oh no, actually, so um, the, the the senior manager, the executive team for the West Mids were brilliant. They 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 spoke to me. I think all of them rang me, or most of them rang me a, a couple of times in that first week, and then mm. they kept kept in contact. Um, the cops on the ground, I can honestly say, were just brilliant. Every single cop that came through the doors or saw me was we've seen your story holy shit um there'd be some piss taking mm. clearly but at the mm. same point is mm. that it was we've got your back if that makes mm. sense yeah 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 um you know we've got your back i had loads of emails coming in from from mm. colleagues just saying sky you're absolute bell end you'll be all right <laughs> 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 and and you know and we just got loads of loads of that and and the cops were brilliant and, and they helped me through that they, oh, they some were the wankers some wankers out there there in, in the uh, in the media aren't there and i don't know if any, if any of them are going to listen to this but if 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 any of them if any of you are you know what i mean it's just like sky has got more integrity in her little finger than these people have in their entire bodies and i shame on shame on people who make money out of making other people miserable i just think it's disgusting there are some brilliant journalists out there brilliant brilliant people who put their lives on the line out in war zones and reporting on humanitarian disasters and some great political journalists out there but there's some real shitbags out there as well aren't there there is and my name quite often now goes viral um my name is um I, I did a, a home office recruitment video because I thought you know I'm now I'm quite used to the now I'm quite used to the, the the just the nonsense that surrounds me if that makes sense it's I've come off all social media it's forced me off social media but at the same mm. time is that actually that's not a bad thing really it's, no, it's kind of no, means I don't see any of the, the, the shite that's out there about no, me no you and, don't need that in your life do you no um and and the world is just seems to be obsessed they seem to be obsessed with me well i think i think you you know this is the whole thing about this is the whole thing about social media the amplification of outrage um the the algorithms that drive the most sort of upsetting and uh, controversial and nasty views which then 
leave people with the perception, and it is only a perception that everybody is like that. And the and here's the Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Here's the thing. They're not. They're not. Most people no. are not like that, are they? No, not at all. And you know, my experience with the police has been brilliant. My personal experience with the region um, and wider has been, barring a few winks, log laughs and nudges, mm. um, like I said, but barring that, pretty much my experience has been brilliant. When I go out as me, if I mm. walk out the door now, I'm going to the pub later, I know that I will not have any grief. Mm. Now that I've started taking hormones, I've start, I'm starting to pass more now. So people, apart from the fact that I'm tall, people mm. don't even give me a second glance now. Mm. They, mm. they do in uniform clearly mm. but mm. when I'm not in uniform nobody bats an eyelid nobody mm. has really looks looks at me more than once mm. and you're absolutely right it's 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 this huge kind of issue there is lots of um there's lots of money that's being pushed into anti-trans uh, rhetoric that's mm. been pushed by by the far right and the mm. the um the wealthy evangelical christian mm. far right in america yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you can see some of the the, the, the absolute vile nonsense that's going yeah. on over there well, you know i've been listening of... to i've been listening to a really interesting podcast um the last couple of days it's called the coming storm and it's a bbc uh one it's all about the rise of um q and the far right and uh, again as you say evangelical christian these extreme conspiracy theories the the use of 4chan and 8chan to spread yeah. hate and misinformation and um how vulnerable our democracy is to this kind of uh, narrative and absolutely and you know i i don't wear my Christian faith on my sleeve particularly um but I do think there is great evil going on in the world at the moment and uh, almost you know I, I'm not going to get all I'm not going to get all sort of theological about it but I do think the people who are doing this stuff are are evil really genuinely and um and I think we need to stand against it we need to be, be very clear about um pushing back against this hateful narrative um and i think the police are now finding the police as an organization i obviously i would say this because i'm an ex-police officer aren't i but i genuinely believe you know there are exceptions we all know that there are exceptions people who are in the police who shouldn't be in the police but generally speaking most police officers are good people and they actually represent the very best of society people who want to serve their community people who want to stand up and and protect um vulnerable people protect you know to take on the bullies and all of this For kind sure. of stuff. absolutely so, so beyond or no illusion sky there is a much bigger thing going on here around yeah. a hateful agenda driven narrative that, see, that sees people like you that wants to um humiliate you and i suppose that's yeah. what it is isn't it and, and they do absolutely and so for, for example the, the 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 there's a christian organization in america called the heritage foundation that are very pro um um 
very very pro kind of like you know women keep your mouth shut sort of thing um mm-hmm. uh they're anti-abortion um and last year alone they spent 700 million dollars um on anti-trans rhetoric because actually attacking us is a way of kind of splitting mm. um groups and splitting the society if that makes sense so yeah. and, and it doesn't help that actually you know you look at some members of our current reigning government some members uh, of that government are actually trustees for the heritage foundation yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm told so yeah. you know it's it's, it's yeah. we're in a well, place it's all where part of that whole polarizing it is absolutely the, the, the pushing people apart not bringing not wanting to bring people together it's about absolutely it's about division Splitting. and polarization isn't it it is but, um, and you look at what's going on in the world you know my my bills I have to work extra overtime shifts just to pay my bills now. My bills have trebled, quadrupled and gone up and up and up. And that's going to be the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody out there, so every single cop, their bills will have gone up. Mortgage has gone up. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's climate change that's coming. We've got so many more important things that we need to be concerned with, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. we, in, yeah. in the world. Yeah. Yet, there's this, as you said, there's there's this culture war, there's this division of trying to split people. Yeah. Um, but you're right, the, the police, I think we are leaders. And I think that actually, you know what, I think I could quite easily go and work with and go and stand next to colleagues from any of my for- any of the mm. forces in the UK. Yeah. And you know what, I think yeah. apart from bearing, but bearing in mind, maybe like you said, just the odd one, every single one of those coppers yeah would see me as the person that i am it's a really tough it's a really tough time for policing isn't it at the moment really tough and for someone who gave the best part of his adult life to to the organization i find it very hard to to sort of watch and listen to what's going on particularly when you know fuckwits like um matt hancock describe uh, the whole organization in such a disparaging um, arrogant way as plod you know it's it's got echoes of the whole pleb gate thing again isn't it yeah um, absolutely but um, anyway i'm not going to put my political head on sky <laughs> <laughs> listen i'm conscious of time because i've got a um social engagement which i need to take my kids to um very shortly um so it's probably not a bad point to to wrap it up but um Listen, I find that really, really fascinating, really interesting, um, challenging, challenge myself in terms of maybe some of my, you know, assumptions and pre, pre, you know, um, my lack of knowledge about all of this stuff. As so, I'm, you know, I treat this podcast, I try to treat this podcast as an opportunity to learn and to learn from other people and to hear other people's perspectives. And uh, and this has been a, a real highlight for me in in terms of all of that stuff. So thank you. Thank you, you so much. Is there anything? I don't think I said anything to particularly controversial. No. I sometimes no, let my mouth get away with no, me. No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. No, I'm very on. You know, I'm very honest on this podcast. I, you know, if, um, sometimes no, a bit, brilliant. Sometimes a bit of Anglo-Saxon goes a long way. And um, you know, if I if I think something's bullshit, I'll say it. Um, absolutely i had to do you know i had to keep my trap shut for a long time with the police and you know that's and that's the professional thing to do but but i've seen so much bollocks going on particularly directed towards policing in the last few years that it's very you know i think right now the gloves the gloves the verbal gloves are going to come off now because um i want to speak up for police officers i want to speak up for people who don't feel that they've got a voice because they're in the disciplined service they haven't got a right to strike um very very difficult for them to 
push back against some of the some of the bullshit that is, has been going on. So, but listen, thanks a million. Um, really appreciate your time, and um, I wish you the very best of luck. And thank um, you so much. And uh, and you take care of yourself. And yes. Stay, um, stay hello to anybody who knows me. Yeah, I will do. I will do. Stay in touch. Um, you know, find keep stay in touch on LinkedIn. And you know, if if, if there's any comments what have you just let me know i'd like to know yeah um, no you know what... no brilliant i'll probably it'll probably go out this will probably go out in the next 24 hours sometimes but uh, i'll ping you a, a message to let you know fab okay brilliant. well you have a cracking evening and lovely you, to, to meet you, you take properly. care cheers guys. take care all, all the best, best. Bye, bye, bye. bye 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 Street. We used to smile and wave at him while walking on his beat. But now we never see him, it really makes us frown. No longer do we feel that we're the safest street in town. Oh. <laughs>